Well, welcome back to Knowledge Cast by Ideals, presented by the Ideals Foundation. I'm Jack Williams, the founder of the Ideals Foundation. We're excited to begin this first season of our podcast. We've got 15 guests scheduled uh, in our first season, and we think it'll provide a, a broad spectrum of interest. If you're interested in seeing who those guests are, you can go to my website, jackwwilliams.com, and click on the podcast button, and you'll see a list there. Well, today we're really fortunate uh, to have as our guest, Ty Voltman. Ty is actually an Ideals alumnus. He's a, an honor graduate from West Point, U.S. Military Academy, a former Ranger, and is currently in a leadership role with uh, Chick-fil-A Distribution. Uh, Ty has also been very gracious to, to give his time over the years to come back and be a speaker at our Ideals leadership classes. And I can tell you the students absolutely love uh, hearing his powerful message. So Ty, welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jack. It's uh, always a pleasure uh, being with you. Well, you attended West Point and you graduated in the top 1% of students there. I can't even grasp that and I can't even pronounce your major, but uh, that's pretty amazing uh, just unto itself. But tell me a little bit about your time at the academy. What are you going to remember the most and you know, what was the most challenging part? Yeah. So, you know, West Point's um, a really interesting institution in the sense that it is focused on producing leaders. Um, and as part of producing leaders, it obviously wants to shape folks that are analytical, have the great capacity to solve problems from small problems to very large problems. You know, in fact, if you look back at the history of West Point, when it was founded in 1802 under uh, President Andrew Jackson, um, the biggest reason that they founded it was because uh, to form engineers, started out as an engineering school. And at that time, having just come out of the Revolutionary War, of course, there were not that many engineers in the United States. And so they produced uh, the academy to basically train and build uh, and bring up engineers to be able to help build the infrastructure of a very brand new country at that time, right? Bridges, things like this. And so the academy is, is really focused on producing leaders that can, that can solve great problems and also producing leaders that uh, care, um, provide great care for the people that they're leading. And so, um, the academy has always been and will probably always continue to be very challenging, um, but also an incredibly rewarding experience, especially for folks, um, in my opinion, that really invest themselves into kind of the whole program. And so you know, when I think back about my time there, one, I'll, I'll always remember a lot of the friendships that I made um, and also the mentors um, that were provided there, you know, 85% of the faculty of West Point are, are active duty officers. And so really is a great kind of leadership laboratory where um, you get to be groomed by folks that have been doing this for a while. And um, I will always remember some of some of my great mentors there, um, Al Vigilante, Josh Bookout, um, Jamie Updraff, um, and plenty of others that I'm sure I'm forgetting. Um, but they, um, I'll remember forever the lessons that I learned there. I think the toughest part of West Point, ultimately, um, and the thing that, uh, but it was also most enduring and transformational 
is learning to have to manage your time um, to the sheer number of tasks that you have in front of you on any given day. It is a lesson that I think helps produce great problem solvers um, and rapid problem solvers because there's always something to do. And to be honest with you, there's, there's always more to do than there is time. And so you have to become very good at understanding what's really important, what's not, where do I need to invest my time, um, and how much time do I truly have to invest and to stay on task? And so that's something um, that I learned um, in spades at the academy. Um, I think the other part that I didn't fully learn at the academy, but did learn over the time um, and started learning there um, was not only the ability to do that, but then also how to do that in a, in a healthy way. Um, it's easy, especially, you know, as a um, younger man to um, you have all the energy in the world and you don't really need a ton of sleep and you can, um, you know, you can, you know, work 20 hours a day if you need to. Right. Um, but you can also lose yourself a little bit in um, in the task. And so um, I think one of the things I started learning at West Point um, and then the Army later on really helped me with was being able to do that, but also do it in a healthy way, um, in a way um, that we're you know, able to continue to care for myself um, while also caring for others. So, um, yeah. Well, you, you, you were one of the four regimental commanders, which is the highest area of responsibility you can have as a, as a student there. Tell, tell me about that role and, and what was entailed. So one of the things I think that's really cool about West Point is they have a robust cadet leadership program. Uh, could best be described as kind of peer leadership, right? You have, I will call it positional authority, and that's true, but there's also everyone at the same time is are still peers. And so what that regimental commander is, is uh, it's a senior level position. So you have to be a senior to fill it. Um, and then kind of responsible um, at a peer leadership level for 25% of the core. So there's four regiments, uh, 4,400 uh, students or cadets there at any given time. And so you're, you're responsible um, at that level for kind of overseeing the regiment and the battalions within it and the companies within it and helping kind of um, from an administrative perspective, and then somewhat also from kind of an influence perspective, help lead an entire school year through a lot of the different things, whether that's making sure people are where they're supposed to be on time, um, kind of leading different types of more decorum type things like parades and some of these other things like this. Um, but then also to some extent, it's also about being able to be influential, I think, with others and especially, you know, there's it doesn't seem like there's a huge age difference between a freshman in college and a senior in college. And yet at the same time, you know, the difference between 18 and, and 21 or 22 years old can also sometimes be substantial at that, at those younger age. Right. And so there's definitely was kind of a mentoring aspect to some of the, the lower classes, if you will. And so, um, so that was kind of the, what entailed in the, uh, the position. Um, and what I think the biggest thing, um, that is really helpful about leader about West Point's more kind of leadership model and peer leadership model is because you technically have positional authority, but also kind of not, the effective leaders were ones that could influence others without needing positional authority, 
right? And um, being able to have an opportunity to be in that kind of environment where your ability to be effective is more about being able to inspire others, um, being able to show care for others and get them to buy in really goes a long way. Even once you actually are in positions where you have true positional authority, because you don't have to uh, rely on that positional authority as much. Um, a lot of leaders who have to rely a ton on positional authority, you can only get so far um, before people say, I'm only going to do exactly what's expected when someone's looking and otherwise I'm done. Right. And so being able to, to influence, inspire and care for others um, is something that I think you really learn in that peer leadership kind of um, dynamic that you can then take with you as you start to actually accrue true positional authority, um, whether that's in the army or in the civilian world or anywhere else. That's a, that's a great takeaway from that experience. Um, you know, as you've experienced uh, in the army, in business, um, even in that role as a regimental commander, leadership sometimes can be a lonely place. Um, you shared the story one time with uh, our class at Ideals about a tough call you had to make as a regimental commander uh, regarding one of your closest friends your senior year. Can you briefly share share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there was, I had a really close group of about six friends. Um, you know, we, we started out on the exact same day as, as freshmen in cadet basic training. Um, and my class year was unique in that they never kind of scrambled the class. Um, typically at West Point, you go for a year or two with a, with your, in a company, they kind of do this huge scramble. And the idea is you get to meet more people and build more relationships and such. But just based off the way some things that happened over my four years here, they never scrambled our class. And so I was with the same group of folks all four years and obviously build some really enduring relationships that way. Um, and one of uh, one a member of, of that group of friends um, coming into our senior year um, started to struggle with some of the physical assessments. And towards the end of our senior year, um, he failed one of those physical assessments, um, kind of the minimum requirements um, that are expected in the Army of both officers um, and enlisted personnel. And when he first failed it, this is obviously a really big deal. Um, and so when he first failed it, uh, our regimental tactical officer, so basically a full bird colonel who has the true positional authority over the regiment, right, as a true, you know, um, commissioned officer, came to me and, and asked me what we wanted to do. And it's obviously a very good friend of mine, um, very good friend of my other friends as well. Um, and I remember, you know, saying to him, you know, He's made a mistake, but let's give him an opportunity to try and rehabilitate from this. My my group of friends will do everything we can to work with him and we'll get him there. And so he was put on kind of a two or three months kind of, you know, um, kind of retraining or, or um, physical training regimen. And two to three months later, he had to retest and he failed again. And regimental tactical officer came back to me, said, you know, what do you want to do? Um, and we were still at that point, we were probably about two, three months away from graduation. And I said, I know this sounds crazy, but give him another chance. I remember at the time, my regimental tactical officer asked me, would you do that if he wasn't your friend? And I said, I think that I genuinely would. Um, this is somebody who has put in a lot of time and effort 
uh, over almost four years now. He's so close to graduation. Um, let us work with him one last time. And we did. And sadly, he failed again. And at that point, my regimental tactical officer came to me and said, okay, what do you want to do now? And we didn't have any other choice at that point, or I felt like we did it. Um, this was a, a guy who about in a month later was going to start to go through some of his introductory officer uh, courses and then go lead a platoon. Um, and what the time, what was a combat, you know, he was joining a combat arms branch. And while I still to this day, very much care for him, I also knew that it was my responsibility to make sure that we were caring for his future soldiers. Um, it obviously did not go well with some of my friends who felt like I turned my back on him. And that was definitely not my intention. Um, but I also at the time felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, and so unfortunately he, he got separated exactly one month, uh, before graduating, uh, which I still, you know, can't possibly fathom or imagine having gone through that. Um, but the good news is, is he is doing well. He did not become an army officer, but he is doing well and has a family now. And so, um, it is, uh, it was definitely a very tough experience, especially in that moment. I, I can only imagine making that call. Well, you know, you, during your tour of duty or duties, uh, tour of duties, you were the leader of a ranger platoon that was constantly involved in high risk, high value target type missions. And, you know, as a former athlete, we hear football coaches and players talk about playing football when the bullets start flying and they're, you know, meaning live contact. And it's just a phrase meant to kind of portray live action and potential danger. Uh, I want to kind of flash forward. I want you to tell me, what did you learn about leadership when you were leading men, when the bullets actually were flying? Yeah, that's a great question, Jack. I think there's kind of probably four things that, uh, that I kind of want to touch on here. Um, I think first and foremost, and this was both something that I observed, but then also something that I experienced that has always stuck with me. And I think this is the biggest thing that stuck with me. I'm just going to sound kind of crazy when we're talking about war, but it's the concepts of humility and love. Um, you know, uh, well, in a lot of religions and in, in, in Christianity, obviously, you know, there's a, a key Bible verse that gets pointed to a lot, right? There's no greater love that a man has than he lay down his, than his life for his brother. And I am in sometimes very precarious, tough um, situations watch the true definition of love, watching my men do at times put their lives at great risk and at other times lose their life in order to protect and help their brothers, both in that moment uh, who are with them, but then obviously also doing this for a much higher ideal or purpose, right? And that was for their country. And a lot of times, when I think back about my time in the army, I always think about that love. Um, and I think that it had a huge impact on me, right? Of um, what is um, kind of the, how do you find your purpose? And in the army, it's easy, right? It's um, your purpose is already this high ideal of serving others. Um, but for folks, especially coming out of the army, it becomes, okay, well, how do you still live that purpose out? And to me, it's, um, 
demonstration of love through service by servicing others. Right. And so um, that was a huge one. And I think the other part of that was the humility piece of it. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the success that I had at West Point. I was very fortunate and blessed to have that success. Um, but I think as a young man, that got to my head a little bit. And when I entered into the Ranger Regiment, um, it in and of itself was humbling, right? It's a kind of top 1% of the officer corps in the army there. And uh, my peers were amazing, um, very talented, very smart. Um, and I remember my first step foot into that organization. I remember feeling like I am not at this level. And I was fortunate to spend four years there and learn a lot of really great lessons. Um, but it was both a humbling experience. And I'll also say, you know, I, in the times where we lost soldiers, that's always a humbling experience, in my opinion, as well. Um, watching them pay the ultimate sacrifice, um, constantly questioning your own decisions around the circumstances of that. Um, it taught me a lot about that. And it started me on what's been a probably a almost decade long journey now around the concept of humility, um, which, you know, is something I obviously share with a lot of the ideals classes over time as well. So I think the second thing that, that I learned as well um, is that experience matters. Um, you have to, as an individual, right? Um, we constantly want to find folks in the business world that show strong potential, right? Great analytical skills, some of these other things. Um, but one of the things that really matters though sometimes is experience. I remember when I first started in the Ranger Regiment, I had none on these types of missions and it was a steep learning curve. At the same time, as you start to experience some of these things, it allows you to speed up your decision-making cycle. And I think that's the greatest part where experience does matter. It's not in and of itself that you've gained experience and now you're automatically smarter. It's that you've experienced some of these things and you can more rapidly apply that experience to either similar or sometimes brand new situations that may be analogous to ones that you've faced in the past. And so um, it was the first time where I, I think I truly took into um, account that, there is an element of experience that really matters in leadership and in decision-making. Um, and I think one of the big lessons I learned coming out of that is um, that being humble and applying that experience can be a really powerful thing because either through that humility, you recognize your gaps in experience and you find ways to to um, mitigate those either through finding great mentors who have that experience, who can share those experiences with you. Hopefully you don't have to learn them the hard way that way, or at least by then being able to take things that you've just experienced and be able to more quickly kind of um, consume that, um, uh, reflect on it, and then apply it in the future. Um, and then I think the last two things that I think were, um, that I learned quite a bit is one, training and preparation do, um, are probably play some of the greatest part of winning, uh, winning in any environment, whether it's a sports environment, at war, um, in the business world, whatever it might be. Um, folks who better prepare um, are able to um, overcome uh, chaotic or tough situations more often or more quickly, um, and are also 
able to draw on that training and preparation in a way that folks that that haven't done that cannot because it's just that muscle memory or that observation or those things are just not there. Um, and then the final thing is, um, you know, great teams and cultures are made up of great and talented individuals who voluntarily share the same values, right? Um, I think this is a really important point because um, a lot of times um, we always hear never put an individual over the team. And yet at the same time, I think we lose some, sometimes we lose sight of the individuals that make up the team. And so I think, you know, the key, I think one of the key points here is one, you got to find great people. You got to find great people that share the values of the culture you're trying to establish. Um, you take care of those people um, in a way that truly builds the team. And if you do that really well, then the application of there is no individual greater than the team to some extent almost takes care of itself many times. Um, so um, those are, I think, you know, were kind of the, the four things um, that I, I think have been most enduring with me since coming out of the army and, and obviously um, having done multiple um, combat tours. So. Those are some powerful insights. Uh, wow. Powerful insights. Uh, I've got a series of other questions I'd like to get to, but it looks like we're kind of up against the clock here. I'm, I'm going to try to lobby to get you back a, another time, but uh, I just want to thank you so much for, for sharing your time and your experiences with us today. It's, it's just always great personally to, to spend time with you. And I also want to thank you again for always making yourself available when I ask you to come back and, and share with our ideal students. So thank, thanks so much for being with us today. Absolutely, Jack. It's my pleasure and um, always uh, appreciate having an opportunity um, to help you uh, do a lot of the things that you do. Well, folks, I uh, hope you enjoyed today uh, and our time together with uh, Ty. And I hope you'll encourage others to, to join us on our next podcast. And until then, I hope you'll make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others. <laughs>